Hello, welcome to Helen Talk 2. I'm Helen and today I'm talking about a Christmas carol. Um, I So unusually, I've actually just finished watching the episode and I'm now recording this. Usually I wait... Usually I wait a day or so to sort of let my thoughts settle, but I, to be honest, I enjoyed this episode so much and it made me think about a bunch of things that I wanted to discuss that I've just gone straight into recording. Um, I'm going to start this episode off with my one point of improvement for the episode. And it's exactly the same point of improvement that 17-year-old Helen gave it when I watched it for the first time. And that is that I would have I would have liked there to be more Amy and Rory in the episode. It's very much the doctor on his own. Um which I mean, yes, he's doing everything to like save Amy and Rory, but also I just I think they could have it would have been nice if they'd done more in the episode. Having said that, I can't think of any concrete ideas about how to better integrate them more into the story. But yeah, um, for me, this episode is like a 9 out of 10 episode and that one point is the only thing. So with that out of the way, let's talk about the uh, some of the great things about this episode. Firstly, it is a laugh out loud funny, particularly in the first half, not so much in the second half when it, you know, steers more into the tragedy of it. Um, but yeah, the first half, laugh out loud funny. The um, the lines that, that made me laugh most on this rewatch were when the Doctor tells young Kazran that I'm universally recognised as a mature and responsible adult and then the psychic paper basically just goes, lol nope <laughs> new no, you're not um yeah that made me laugh so much um also from the scene with young Kazran uh the doctor running away from the shark and going I better get some great readings back from my screwdriver once I get it back from the shark in your bedroom so funny um, I also really love the bit when they're trying to get into the uh, place with all of the, I was about to call them coffins, uh, storage units, and they don't know the code, and the doctor gets it by popping back to future um, Sardic, knowing that he'll be yelling at the recorder. I absolutely love that moment because... It's the Doctor taking the obvious way uh, to solve a problem, essentially. Um, he's actually, yeah, using time travel to, to solve a problem. And I have a lot more to talk about regarding the use of time travel in this episode. But that use of it for a joke, very good. Um... Another thing that I really like in this episode is we've got this really lovely halfway out of the dark motif. Um, I really like drawing this parallel between the kind of midwinter celebrations and also having it be this sort of metaphor for Sardic being redeemable. Um, I think that's lovely. I don't get the bit where the doctor says it at the end though. 
don't quite get the reference there. Um, I don't know if it's linked to the whole better a broken heart than no heart at all thing, like this idea of, you know, it is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. I don't know if that's the comparison they're going to, going for. But yeah, I didn't get it the first time I watched. I don't entirely get it now. But I do like the motif. Um, the setting of this episode is lovely and Christmassy. Um, and... The whole idea of this episode of being a Doctor Who does a Christmas carol is brilliant. We have the Doctor as being... Well, my first thought was this is the Doctor of Marley. Well, I don't know if Marley's the... He's not the mastermind in the original Christmas carol, but, like, he's certainly the one that tells Scrooge what is going to happen. Um, But I... I wrote that, like, right at the start of the episode when I forgot that the Doctor actually does play the parts of the Ghost of Christmas Past and the Ghost of Christmas Future. Or is the Ghost of Christmas Future young Kazran? I'm not sure. No, it's still the Doctor because he's the one doing the transporting. Um, and then Amy is obviously the Ghost of Christmas Present. Um, now, it's interesting because I sat down to watch this episode and my first thought was, ooh, there's a review of a different Doctor Who episode. Um, I think it's in Doctor Who magazine um, that says, forget A Christmas Carol, forget this episode. Uh, this, this other episode is actually Doctor Who does A Christmas Carol. Um, and I was racking my brain to think of what which episode it was referring to and I'm pretty sure it's the 50th anniversary that uh, that review refers to because that one is kind of a Christmas carol with the Doctor being Scrooge with John Hurt's Doctor being Scrooge whereas this is the Doctor of the Ghosts. But yeah this whole concept of Doctor Who does a Christmas carol um, it you know, it's a nice excuse for the sort of Victoriana setting and theme, which is always lovely on a Christmas episode because it just feels right um, to have a Victorian Christmas episode. It's where, I mean, the Victorian period is where we get so many of our modern Christmas uh, trappings from. But it is also thematically resonant, having it set in this sort of alien version of, Victorian society because you have um like Sardik and his father's um kind of entrepreneurship regarding like controlling the cloud layer and how proud they are of that you have uh Sardik's distaste for poor people and people in poverty which is very very Victorian um and there's also the element of uh the Sardik family feeling entitled to ownership over natural resources, in this case, you know, the sky and, and the airspace. Um, so it's not just there for the aesthetics, it, there is, you know, a thematic resonance. Um, so let's talk about the Doctor in this episode. I've said that um, that my one improvement would be to have a bit more Amy and Rory in, but yeah, this episode is is the Doctor is front and centre. And the first thing that jumped out to me is that the Doctor is done being cautious. 
I mentioned in the last couple of episodes with the lodger and with um the Pandora open that the doctor was being cautious about um about the adventures he was being careful but he really rushes into this one which almost ruins everything because he doesn't have all of the information specifically he doesn't know that Abigail is ill um and yeah that nearly makes his plan backfire um and even though his plan succeeds it does you know it does have mixed results um I mean, there's the whole ethical question that Kazran quite rightly raises of like, you know, I've never met this guy before tonight and now he's changed my entire past. He's made me meet and fall in love with this woman that I would never have spent time with if it wasn't for the Doctor. Um, And, you know, the Doctor's done that purely because Sardik is the only one that can control the cloud layer. Which you could argue means Sardik uh, brought it on himself. But, um, yeah, the Doctor plan, it definitely has mixed results. Um, But I think the key thing is that the stakes are very high in this episode. I mean, granted, we've just come from the Big Bang where the stakes of the episode was the entirety of the universe being destroyed but yeah 4,000 people in peril including Amy and Rory that is that is high stakes um and he doesn't have much time as and he can't not try to do something and you know he does first go to Sardik and try to reason with him um it's only when it's kind of becomes clear that that won't work in very short time period that they have that he comes up with this alternative idea and he really doesn't have much time to think of alternative ideas um because the time that he spends in the present with the ship crashing is is you know not long at all um all of like the bulk of the episode and certainly in terms of like the doctor's perspective through the episode is spent in other time periods um so that brings me on to talk about the use of time travel in this episode um and so my first thought is about so i just said you know he doesn't have time to think of alternative ideas one thing I did wonder was why doesn't the Doctor use the TARDIS to evacuate the crashing ship? Um, and the only thing I can think of, and it's not directly in the episode, but I think it's heavily implied by how little time we see ha- going past in the present day, that there's not enough time for the Doctor to land the TARDIS on the ship and evacuate all 4,000 people like it would take a long time to to do that kind of evacuation um and he can't so it's well established in Doctor Who that he can't go back on his own timeline so he can't 
pop back to just before the ship starts crashing and evacuate everyone. That's not possible because Amy and Rory only send him the distress signal when the ship starts crashing. So instead, he uses the TARDIS to buy more time for himself, I suppose. Because um, like I say, I mean, there's probably what? half an hour, an hour of time happening in the present Christmas Eve in this episode. But he spends a hell of a lot of time in different time periods. Um, And I did wonder whether it would be possible to use the TARDIS for kind of thinking time. Like, because that's kind of what he does here obviously when he goes back in time he's trying to uh change the future he's trying to you know um rewrite Kazran's memory but could you take the TARDIS and you know go and sit in a planet somewhere completely you know unrelated to whatever you're dealing with currently and think about what to do and then come back and do it um which I think from a mechanics point of view you probably could um but there would probably be a question about a how useful would that be because often thinking time is more useful when you've got all of the stuff in front of you um and I don't know, I feel like it would lead to a level of, like, detachedness in, in detachedness, detached, it, it would make you feel a bit detached from whatever was happening, um, if you just kept popping off to have some thinking time, plus, you know, obviously, it makes a better story if you don't, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the actual use of time travel in this episode is absolutely bonkers. Like, I've just watched The Big Bang and talked about that one. I said that that was an outrageous use of time travel. Actually, this episode might beat the use of time travel in The Big Bang. Um... Yeah, I think it does. Like, his I- the Doctor's idea is change Sardic's memories to give him some good childhood memories. And to be fair, the Doctor digs out that recording and I, I think, again, he tries to just talk to Kazran. I don't think... When the Doctor put that recording on, I don't think the only outcome of that scene is for the doctor to go back in time i think he he sort of realizes that he might have to but i think he also hopes that by showing kazran the boy that he used to be and showing him interacting with his father i think he hopes that that might be enough um but obviously it isn't um i think you could get into how the rewriting of the memories works in more detail. I'm not 
going to here because I think it just works really nice as this narrative device where we can see Kazran sort of re-experiencing his memories um even though like like when the doctor goes back in time he he puts in place he, he sets in motion this like series of events that ends up with the person that is now sat in Sardik's chair in his in his house um like that does all happen in one moment I think but I love that we see Sardik sort of reacting to his memories and sort of literally going down memory lane I just think it works as a lovely sort of narrative device um yeah so the doctor wants to change Sardik's memories he wants to give him maybe some good childhood memories and I think the main thing he wants to give him a better moral compass um I think that's the element where he thinks you know if if this kid has a better moral compass maybe he'll make a better decision in the future um but he goes too far he goes too far he changes too much to be fair the doctor didn't originally intend to visit him every christmas you can tell that from how the Doctor reacts when young Kazran says to Abigail that the Doctor comes every Christmas Eve. Um, he did just intend for it to be, you know, one night of babysitting. Um, and that hopefully that would be enough. So why does he come back? Um... I, I think he just can't say no to young Kazran. Um, and fair enough, actually, if we think about it, if he had said no to young Kazran, if Kazran had said to Abigail, he comes back every Christmas Eve and the Doctor had been like, I can't come back every Christmas Eve, then I suppose he would be letting down Kazran again. Because Sadiq says that the the lesson he learned from the original memory from the original night that he sat in his bedroom crying all night the lesson he learned was that no one comes um so i suppose if the doctor had stopped after one christmas eve then young kazran might have taken that lesson forward again Particularly because he's got, you know, he, he has the influence of the Doctor once a year. He has the influence of his father all year round. Um, and that would very much outweigh the Doctor. Um, now, why couldn't the Doctor say no to young Kazran? There is an element, the Doctor is shown in this episode as being very good with kids, again. So there's an element of that, of him, you know, not wanting to disappoint a child. But I do think there is also a parallel with Amelia, um, with, you know, young Amy. If we compare this episode to the 11th hour and the last time the Doctor integrated himself into a childhood, which, by the way, had just as 
I was going to say disastrous in effect. I'm not sure disastrous is the right word, given that it all ends up all right. Um, traumatic? Yeah, traumatic might fit a bit better. Uh, yeah, so they both have, like, equally damaging effects. But the last time the Doctor integrated himself into a childhood, he did so because he didn't come back. He told young Amelia that he would be back in five minutes and that's the thing that had such a damaging effect, the fact that he was late. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's why he can't say no to young Kazran, because he knows that last time he was in a situ similar situation, he didn't come back and that caused the damage. This time, he he comes back and coming back is what sorted the damage so um yeah you can't win doctor but yeah it's a really great use of time travel you also have i think the way the ghost of christmas future is done with it being the doctor showing young kazran his his you know older self um, I think that's a really neat, um, neat way to turn the whole Ghost of Christmas Future thing on his head, um, because clearly Kazran has read A Christmas Carol, <laughs> or, you know, seen the Muppet version, um, like, clearly he knows the story, um, because he kind of, he has this expectation for what the Doctor is about to show him with Christmas Future. Um, and the Doctor turns that on his head, which, like, so from an emotional perspective, like, that scene works, but why does it work for Kazran? Um, so I think this is to do with how the memory changing stuff works. The way we sort of see Kazran having to sort of remember the memory specifically and then sort of had that fully integrated into into his mind and it's I think when he's looking at his younger self he gets this memory of what it was like to be you know 11 or 12 and looking at this future version of himself and I think that just sort of joins all of the pieces together that's how I think it happens um yeah love the use of time travel in this episode um it just it's, it's just nice to see it being used to like solve the actual problem um and just yeah, used in a slightly different way. Now, ironically, for an episode w with such a ballsy use of time travel, we see a couple of references to future episodes um, or, you know, places where the, the themes will come back in later episodes. So firstly, um, and they're both towards the end of the episode, 
firstly, we've got Sardik saying to the Doctor, one last day with your beloved, which day would you choose? And the Doctor can't answer at that point. But we do end up seeing the Doctor do this with River and the whole Derillium thing um, in the Twelfth Doctor's era with the husband of River Song. Um, which is another Christmas episode, although it's not Christmas in the episode. Um, not by the end of it, anyway. So that's interesting. And the second bit is at the end of the episode when Amy and the Doctor are talking about, you know, Kazran and Abigail and the fact that it's their last day together. The Doctor says... Everything's got to end sometimes, otherwise things would never get started. Now, massive irony sign flashing above the Doctor's head there. Um, because the Doctor does not manage to learn that lesson for himself. As we'll find out with Amy and Rory's last episode in the angel take manhattan um like the doctor is doing a do what i say not what i do thing here um which is very interesting um now obviously there's the you know probably outside the story reason that um that you know Stephen Moffat probably didn't think about this line which is really just uh you know summarize the episode leave us with a poignant line thing from a Christmas special he probably didn't think of that when he was writing Angel Tate Manhattan um, that's the outside the story reason, but I think it's much more e interesting to wonder about how the Doctor got from this point of knowing that everything has to end sometime to going, no, I do not want, I do not want my time with Amy and Rory to end. Um... And I'm not sure I've got a definitive answer for that, but I think it's a, it, I think it's an interesting question. Um, maybe, maybe it is a do what I say and not what I do thing. Maybe it is one of those moments when you know what the right thing to do is, but actually doing it is so difficult and hurts much more than you realised when you were giving that advice to someone else. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with that reasoning. I'll keep an eye out for if there's anything that, you know, I think of during my rewatch for the next series and a half um anything else that you know i think might make the doctor get to that point but for now yeah i'm gonna take it as my head canon that the doctor n knows knows that thing ending is correct and 
normal but really struggle to put that advice into practice. Thank you very much for listening. Um, the email address for this podcast is helentalkswho at gmail.com. Please do get in touch if you have any commentary. I would love to hear from you. Next time, I will be watching The Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon, uh, kicking off Amy and Rory's second series with the Doctor. See ya!